Last week's show was about growing veteran teachers. I focused largely on the importance of relationships, and at the end of the episode, I encouraged you to ask your veteran teachers three questions. What is your teaching superpower? What's the biggest difference between who you are now as a teacher and who you were when you began? And if you could get students to do one thing differently, what would it be? I recognize that some of you have been in school for several weeks now, while others may still have a week or so left of summer, but hopefully you've had at the very least been able to reflect on these questions, and if you've not asked them of someone else, maybe you've asked them of yourself. I also stated, next Tuesday I'll offer some additional steps to build on what you find out. My intention was to provide some explicit tips and tricks, but instead I decided to ask some of my connections on LinkedIn about their tips for working with veteran teachers. This group included administrators at all levels as well as veteran teachers, and I've taken their feedback and put it into a tidy visual framework because that's what I do. Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email, and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. As always, we begin with celebrations, and today I'm celebrating my new truck. Apologies if that sounds a bit vain and materialistic, but I ordered a Ford Maverick, a minuscule-sized pickup truck, back in September of 2022, and I finally just caught it last week, so I'm super excited. It's the perfect vehicle for me. This is not a Ford advertisement, but I need a small truck to haul mulch and lumber and trash around our rural mountain roads. And the thought that I might be able to squeeze out 30 miles per gallon on my trips down to Columbia and Greensboro and elsewhere, that's got me really excited. Okay, let's move to something important. Today's episode takes place in two acts. In act one, I'm going to try and smash the stereotype of the veteran teacher being a curmudgeon or burned out resistor. Remember that change begins from within. And the first step in working with experienced teachers is reframing how you perceive them. In Act 2, I'll present a simple four-stage framework for working with veteran teachers. I've titled Act 1, You Don't Know Me. Change, Trauma, and More Change. Sure, it's not all been bad, but if you've been in this profession very long, you have experienced change trauma, and more change. So first, let's look at the change. I began teaching in 1988, so I would be beginning my 35th year had I remained in P12 education. 
you may be working with a few teachers who began teaching in that same year, or perhaps in the early 90s, and education has changed dramatically. Here is a non-exhaustive list of things that weren't around when I began my teaching career. No standardized tests, no computers in classrooms, no laptops, no cell phones, no social media, no canned or structured teaching programs. And get this, principals were paid to manage the building and instructional leadership was largely in the hands of teachers themselves. There were far fewer grand initiatives and teachers were largely expected to close their doors and teach. And although teachers were not above being questioned or criticized, it was nothing like what we have today. Now, this might not be a universal experience, but this was my experience. So, point one, veteran teachers possess a sense of history and have experienced profound, profound changes over the course of their careers. For many of them, in many ways, the profession they find themselves in now is not the profession they entered. And now the trauma. I believe that teaching is the greatest profession in the world, not necessarily in its current condition, but the ability to transform life and enrich the future is unparalleled. That said, teaching can be a traumatic endeavor. Trauma can occur when there's conflict between teachers and the students and families they serve. But the form of trauma that's most pertinent to our discussion is trauma with administration especially around the teacher observation and evaluation process. The average tenure of a middle school principal in the U.S. is three to five years. As a 35-year veteran teacher, on average, I would have had seven to 12 principals and countless assistant principals. Think about this. Seven times new leaders have come into my school, brought their vision change school culture and ask me to buy in, and then they've left. More than likely, some of those principals have acted like this was their school, not my school. And in their quest to stamp their identity on the school, they may have erased part of my identity, even erased part of my school. In addition, with so many leaders cycling through, it is very likely that most experienced teachers have had at least one very negative, traumatizing experience with an administrator. Imagine having pride in your craft, having invested years in working with kids, receiving solid evaluations year after year, and then someone with half your experience comes in and tells you not only that you need to get better, but that they know how you need to get better. They know how your craft needs to improve. Seriously? And maybe things are different today, but two decades ago, it was not that uncommon to have administrators who yelled at teachers. Not a lot of them, but they were out there. And many experienced teachers have experienced a humiliating dressing down at the hands of a petty tyrant. Please, I'm not throwing you under the bus, but understand, not all administrators are like you. A few are great, most are good, but there are some bad administrators out there. And when a teacher has had seven, 12 or more principals and maybe another seven, 12 or more assistant principals, the chances are fairly high that one of them was bad. And that's all it takes to create trauma, one. This brings us to the third part of Act 1, Change. 
The change in part one was about how education has changed. No cell phones, no social media, can you imagine? But the change in part three is about the change process, more specifically the fascination with the flavor of the month. In our quest for improvement, which is understandable, we can often get dazzled by the next best thing. And I'm speaking from experience here. I'm one of those visionary type leaders. And if I didn't have people to keep me firmly tethered to the ground, I would be jumping from one change to another at light speed. But let's just think about the changes, significant changes in reading instruction over the past three decades. Phonics, whole language, balanced literacy, reading recovery, accelerated reader, guided reading, and now a plethora of computerized programs, and I'm sure I miss stuff. I read a research study a while back that described how teachers' attitudes towards change projects changed over time. With the first change initiative, new teachers are gung-ho and they're actually out there leading the way. With the second initiative, teachers willingly engage. But with the third change, they're beginning to detect a pattern. And so they may begin to hesitate. And with the fourth and subsequent change, many teachers will close their doors and ignore it. And I say, kudos to them. They're right. We cannot continue to make significant changes in curricula, significant changes in teaching techniques, significant demands on the way we want teachers to teach a given subject area. We can't keep changing these things year after year after year. Now, obviously, I've made some generalizations here, and individual experiences will vary widely. But the existence of change, trauma, and more change is critical in not only understanding but appreciating veteran teachers. They are right not to embrace big change initiatives because those initiatives will go away. They are right to be wary of you. They have been hurt by people like you before. And by people like you, I mean administrators. They are right to view you as just another cog in the machine because you'll be gone in a few years and they'll still be there. And they're right to resist your attempts to sell the vision because you'll be gone in a few years and they will still be there. What I hope I've been able to do here is to reshape how you perceive experienced teachers. I said at the outset, I want to shatter that myth of the curmudgeon. Veteran teachers are survivors. They've seen unprecedented changes and they have more experiences with school leaders than you do. They're caring and passionate and a wealth of knowledge. And if they're hesitant to engage, they're only being wise. This closes Act 1. I promised you a simple framework for working with experienced teachers in Act 2. But first, I need to thank the educators who inspired this framework. Last week, I DM'd about 30 education connections on LinkedIn, asking for their tips on working with veteran teachers. I received 13 replies, and that's a lot of replies. Clearly, this is something we need to talk more about. My responders consisted of people I've known for a long time and others I just recently connected with. There are district leaders, principals, assistant principals, and veteran teachers. They come from rural, urban, and suburban schools and are diverse in a myriad of other ways. I wish I could share each of their quotes. I do include some here. But this is already a long episode, longer than I planned. So 
please, fellow educators and esteemed colleagues, accept my deepest gratitude. Jessica Prizig, Dr. Darian Bird, Alex Oriema, Brian Lively, Dr. Efrain Martinez, Nicole Ward, Kristen Holt, Dr. Cliff Lee, Natasha Isaac Bonaventure, AJ Bianco, Jennifer Bertram, Dr. Sam Searcy, Tashika Truesdale, and Dr. Bart Elliott. Thank you. Thank you. You've made this episode into, I hope, something special. Okay, this model is not exhaustive. It's not meant to be. It's meant to be simple and above all, actionable. I've developed it from a perspective of beginning with nothing and working through a four-stage process of developing a collegial relationship with your experienced teachers. Remember, the collegial relationship consists of both personal and professional components. And if you missed that on last week's Five for Friday, episode 154, I really encourage you to go back and give it a listen. This framework should be especially valuable for new administrators and new-ish administrators in new buildings. But no matter who you are and where you are in your career, I hope this will be helpful in helping you kind of have a specific strategy and process for supporting your experienced teachers. Now, there's nothing earth-shattering here, and the value's not in the behaviors, you're probably engaging in many of them already, but the value is putting the behaviors into a process. So without further ado, here we go. Phase one is learn. Phase two is empower. Phase three is support. And phase four is grow. When I talk about phase one being learn, that's learn about the person. Learn about all those changes that that veteran teacher has seen. The ups, the downs, their joys, their sorrows, the traumas. Learn about their teaching superpower and their aspirations. and Learn what they bring to their school. How do we do this? Three simple things. First, we be present. As Alex Arima said, one thing I learned this year is really to lean in. People want to feel safe and heard. And by leaning into the experience of a veteran teacher, especially as a new young AP, you're able to build trust and rapport. And Brian Lively, an experienced principal, said, I think being present is one of the biggest things. So many of my veteran teachers have thanked me for listening to them, their thoughts, ideas, and feelings. A lot of veterans feel that they are not heard. I feel like truly listening to them first allows me to build trust. So being present is the first piece of learning. The second is asking. Ask the first question, how are you? Ask the second question, really, how are you? And then ask the third question, why? Ask questions and seek to learn from them. Harvest their wisdom. As Jessica Prysig said, build relationships by seeking the voice of experience in the building. And the third thing that we do to learn is to empathize, refrain from judgment, accept that their lived experiences are different than yours. And you can't truly understand what they've been through, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but respect their stories. Jennifer Bertram, an amazing veteran teacher in South Carolina, summarized it this way. 
giving audience to the veteran voices validates their experience and can make them feel valued in a profession that doesn't offer that very often. Learning about veteran teachers, especially about being present and listening, were the most mentioned comments by far that I received from my LinkedIn connection. So if you take nothing else from this episode, at least take this. Learn by being present, asking, and empathizing. Once we've learned both about and from our experienced teachers, we're in a position to empower them, to improve our school by leaning on its most experienced members. Phase two is to empower, and there are three parts to this. First, autonomy. Give as much latitude as possible to your veteran teachers. Avoid burdening them with unnecessary requirements and don't tell them how to teach. As Cliff Lee recognized, nothing delegitimizes a person's authority like forcing meaningless work on people. Secondly, leverage their expertise. What is their teaching superpower? What are the skills and techniques that they've mastered over the years? Maybe instead of bringing in someone like me to teach about developing classroom procedures, tap the talent that's already in the building and have your veteran teachers do it. Third, provide opportunities, specifically provide leadership opportunities, mentoring, leading parts of your MTSS process or important committees, and involve your veteran teachers in scheduling, updating policies and procedures and things like that. Okay. We've learned about our veterans. We've empowered them. Now let's support them. In my framework, supporting teachers means something very specific. Supporting teachers means bringing alignment to your school so that teachers' work growing students is helped, not hindered, by the other dimensions of the organization. And remember, each organization has six dimensions. People, purpose, structures, resources, and then external forces and internal forces. So the first part of supporting is aligning. Align your resources so that teachers' time and attention, the two most valuable resources, are focused on teaching. Align your structures so that people feel like they're swimming downstream, not upstream. And align your purpose. Focus on the school's affirming purpose of growing students and cultivating adults who have agency in their lives. It's about lives, not scores. The second part of support is to protect, and this refers to that dimension about external forces. Protect your teachers from the ravages and vagaries of external forces. Full confession, in a time where teachers are being targeted as a profession and as individuals by a plethora of media and politically motivated groups, I'm not sure how to best do this. It seems like having a teacher's back isn't good enough when people are attacking them head on. I guess that's another episode which I will need lots of help with, but at the least, be a wall between angry voices and rhetoric and constantly remind your teachers of how positive and powerful they are. Third, let's celebrate. This relates to those internal forces, that final dimension of the six dimensions of organizations. Let's celebrate in a hundred different ways. Yes to food and sticky notes, yes to jeans or whatever tokens you can offer, 
But let's also begin every meeting with celebrations. And let's find small wins every day in every lesson. And let's relentlessly point them out to everyone. Let's acknowledge and admire the landmarks of long service. And now that we've done all of this, we've learned about and from our veteran teachers, we've empowered and supported them, now we can help them grow. How do we grow veteran teachers? We don't. We help them grow themselves. Consider the incredible words shared with me by Efrain Martinez, an elementary school principal and producer of the Wisdom and Productivity podcast. Efrain said, Never forget that as the coach, your presence upon the field does not signify the act of scoring a goal. The tutelage of Messi or Ronaldo in the art of goal scoring remains beyond your purview. The seasoned veteran embodies expertise while you grace the periphery. Employing an empathetic and Socratic demeanor, you possess the capacity to gently probe the facets you've perceived affording the veteran the privilege of self-discovery. As a keen observer from the sidelines, you're endowed with the insight to eliminate those hidden blind spots, offering your revelations in a manner untouched by judgment. Through this harmonious interplay, the veteran finds themselves enveloped in admiration, for you have inadvertently nurtured their journey towards the pinnacle of their potential. It's hard to build on this imagery, so I'm not going to try. Just embrace your role in growing your experienced teachers as that of holding up the mirror. Be present, ask the questions that pave the path for self-reflection, and then provide assistance when asked. One other thing I wanted to say about growing our veteran teachers, I'm actually adding this post-production because I forgotten to say it. I think it's so valuable. So Kristen Holt, who's a wonderful veteran teacher in my home county of Jackson County Public Schools in Western North Carolina, said, as a veteran teacher, I know I am doing a good job or I wouldn't still be here. But I also want feedback that's useful and purposeful that comes with support. If I'm told that I need to do something differently, I want to hear how you will support me through that and how you will check to see that it's happening. So I just love this quote from Kristen because it points out so much. Yes, our veteran teachers are still there, so they're doing something right. They're good. And when we give feedback, that feedback has to come with support. And that goes right back to that systems piece because if you in a school don't have your systems set up so that you can continually support and grow your teachers, then you're going to fall short, not only in growing your veteran teachers, but in growing any of your teachers. This has been one of the most time-consuming episodes I've done. And honestly, I feel like we're just scratching the surface. Mara and I are trying to get a nice visual of the process put together, but I don't think it will be ready when this episode releases at 6 a.m. on August 29th. I'll post it on the podcast page of my website at frederickbuskey.com backslash podcast. 
And if it's not there as soon as you're done listening to this episode, I'll try to have it out as quickly as we can. But like I said, we have already put a lot of time into this episode. If you want to make sure not to miss a little handout and visual that we'll put together, I'll announce it on my daily email when it's done. So if you aren't already a subscriber to the daily leadership email, this might be a good time to sign up. There'll be a pop-up on my website and that will make it easy for you. Again, if you take nothing else away from this episode, be present, listen, ask, and empathize. If you can do these things, then you're halfway there. And I'll close with this story from my own career. The last five years of my career in P12, I was a county-level special ed coordinator. And I remember feeling utterly lost in that job and not really knowing what I was supposed to do, not just for the first year, but for the first two and a half years. And things changed when I made it a priority for me to just listen and hear my teachers. Instead of me trying to teach them something, I began focusing on learning something. And I remember one of my last days before I took the job at Western Carolina University to coordinate their principal licensure program, I went into the classroom of two of my multiple handicapped teachers, Jean and Teresa. At the end of the day, probably on a Friday like I frequently did, and shared with them that I'd be leaving. And they were so complimentary. And they thanked me. They thanked me profusely. And I was confused because I didn't know what I had done for them. But they said, you listen to us. You listen to us and you ask questions that made us think without telling us what to do. And I think that captures it, right? That's the essence. Don't try to teach your veteran teachers something. Just try to learn from them. And in that process, you'll also be opening up their own learning. I think this is a special episode of the show. It might be the best solo episode that I've ever recorded. I can't really tell you why I think that, except that it just feels like this is something that you can take away tomorrow. You can go back in your school or today you can go back in your school if you're listening in the morning and you can put this to work right now. You can learn, empower, support, and grow your veteran teachers first by being present by asking the questions and by empathizing. You can put that to work tomorrow or today. So it just seems like this has been a really, can I use the term great episode? Anyway, I'm excited about it. And hopefully it's worthy of the days that I've put into developing this episode. So please do one or all of the following things for me. First, forward this podcast link to your colleagues and encourage them to listen. Secondly, email me at frederick at frederickbuskey.com or DM me on LinkedIn and tell me something. Tell me a story, a suggestion, offer some praise, but do something to let me know that this episode connected with you and that the time invested and the passion that you can hear from me invested in this episode was worth it. 
Finally, rate and review the podcast. Ratings and reviews are two of the metrics I track, and a bump in those will be evidence to me that this podcast hit home. This could be the greatest episode ever, but I'll never know it if some of the three or 400 people who listen to the show don't forward it, don't review it, or don't reach out to me. So please do one of these things. It's a way of giving back or giving forward. Speaking of forward, I look forward to seeing you again on Friday when we recap this week's daily emails. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers. Cheers.